Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world, you get in four minutes. We start things off all the way out in Dallas, Texas. Suns, they've moved out of the play-in tournament. Obviously, that's not permanent. They're now the sixth seed in the NBA standings, but they're only a half game behind the Pelicans for the five spot. They're in Dallas tonight. Eric Gordon, game-time decision, right wrist. Luka and Kyrie, same thing. Game-time decisions, low back for Doncic, and a right thumb injury for Irving. Tip-off tonight, 6-30. Coyotes, they are right now two points behind Idle Nashville, a win, and they end up tied for the last wildcard spot in the playoffs. They're in Florida. That starts a three-game road trip to end the first half of the season. Andre Turney, what do you think of the Panthers? Florida is a, it's a really good team, and last time we played them, they impressed us a lot. They are hard on the forecheck, good stick, they're physical, so uh, their forecheck uh, is, is unique in the league. So, See what they could do against Florida. Florida's one of only eight teams that have reached the 60-point plateau right now in the NHL. They're in second place in their division behind Boston. It's a very good team. Face-off tonight, 5 o'clock. Major League Baseball Writers Association of America have taken their vote. A-Rod still only at 37%. Looks like he'll never get in. Billy Wagner, closer, very, very close. Didn't quite make it. Three guys did. Adrian Beltre, mostly with the Rangers third baseman. Todd Helton, first baseman of the Rockies. And Joe Maurer, catcher and first baseman of the Minnesota Twins. Opinionated statement, I'll deal with Todd Helton getting in. 100% on Adrian Beltre. Joe Maurer, to me, not a Hall of Famer. NFL. (laughs) Did they not watch any of the Cardinals games? The Philadelphia Eagles are becoming team number two to interview Cliff Kingsbury for their offensive coordinator position. The Raiders named former Charger general manager Tom Telesco as their general manager. And good news if you're a 49ers fan, the NFC Championship game might have Debo Samuel. MRIs reveal there is no fracture in his injured shoulder. However, a lot of signs point that he misses the game against the Lions. And then if the 49ers win, he'll be ready for the Super Bowl. So the Milwaukee Bucks fired their head coach during this week. That was a little interesting considering it's his only first year. Here's what's even crazier. After ESPN broke up their dynamic NBA Finals broadcast team and brought in Doc Rivers, guess who the Bucks are looking at? The Bucks are in expanded talks right now with Doc Rivers to take their head coaching job and be the head coach for Giannis. Who knows what ESPN will do to either fill Doc Rivers' chair or if they will. And Luka Doncic, another triple-double, 31-13-10. Nuggets beat up on the Pacers on the road. 
couple college basketball upsets for you to know about. Kentucky's number six. They lost on the road to South Carolina, 79-62. And Oklahoma got slaughtered in the second half. At home, the number 11 Sooners, a loser to Texas, 75-60. We've got all three teams in action locally coming up tomorrow. Grand Canyon, U of A, and ASU, all three on the road. And finally, well, this isn't something you see every day. Tillamook County, Oregon. A car thief steals a car at early 4.30 in the morning, then decides on his ride to get away that a road close sign doesn't matter. He moves the road close sign out of the way, drives down the road closed, only to find out the reason why the road was closed is because it doesn't exist. <laughs> a landslide had come through and wiped out the entire northbound lane, and therefore he rolled off the northbound lane, landed on the absolute roof of the car, and the car caught on fire. He ran away, and then they informed the actual owner of the car that he really wasn't going to be able to get it back. Jackpot Unplugged Army. I feel like a true commander-in-chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings. Go to Unplugged at Whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Whirlwind Plus. Here's what you get. You sign up for a tee time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off plus 15% off at Civlik, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls, a shirt, and a hat, you walk over for happy hour with your wife, you might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime, or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, you can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to unpluggedworldwind.com and feel the wind. I'm Janelle, General Manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, a.k.a. The Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef-inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our Honky Tonk Brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. Oh, yeah. So my beautiful and loving wife says, hey, I'd like to have some friends over but I know it's a weeknight. I know you're busy. One drink. One drink. Hey, one drink. That's a beautiful idea. I'd love to do that. Two bottles of wine later. Oh, okay. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Whenever it is that you've decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world. Totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone and your TV every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers, Rising of the Bird. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Hello! 
Oh, my gosh. Uh, sorry about the amount of water drinking you will he- uh, see and hear today on Doug Franz Unplugged. If you don't know the reason for the sign, thanks again, David, for the sign over my right shoulder. Beer Friday, the reason why it's a term Beer Friday is because of the fact that I actually lost my voice twice, two different occasions while I was on the air at the old show. It just bubbled up and suddenly I couldn't talk. So I went through some deep diagnosis, talked to a lot of surgeons, a lot of throat doctors, ENTs and stuff like that, found out that I have a growing nodule in my voice box. And that growing nodule has started to scar up and it scratches up my voice box and it gets worse because of I have really bad acid reflux. And acid reflux is kind of caused by the foods you eat and and a little bit of stomach issues. But for the most part, it's stay away from orange juice, Mountain Dew, uh, red meat, uh, chocolate, um, caffeine, and there's a lot of things to, to stay away from that hurt you, and beer. So those are the things that aren't good. So therefore, uh, uh, tomatoes are bad, so pastas that have a tomato-based sauce are bad, things like that. So I then cut out a ton of stuff, because now we're talking career. But I was not willing to cut out beer, but I created Beer Friday. So it was like Friday was my cheat day. So therefore, every Friday, oh, man, Jennifer makes unbelievable spaghetti and lasagna or pizza, whatever, whatever it was that I couldn't eat during the week. I would eat on Friday and just drink heavily, <laughs> just get my beer intake in. And I was happy. Cut out all the Mountain Dew, blah, blah, blah. Well, Then, eventually, I got a lot healthier and a lot healthier, but I stuck to the plan for the most part. And then, since I moved uh, later on, I thought, okay, I can bring back Mountain Dew, bring back beer. But I only have like a beer or two at most a night and usually don't have any at all until the end of the week. So we have dear friends of ours in which all three kids are in the Air Force and two of them are getting ready to be deployed. One already is. Uh, I think I was paying attention during that part of the story. So Jennifer really wanted to have them over for a drink and they're leaving soon. Okay, great. They'll, They'll come over. And Jennifer knows the rules. One drink. One drink. I don't. During the week, not only do I have to save my voice, but oh my gosh, the the amount of work it takes to get ready for the show. It's about a five hour job at night. So I, I can't be having, you know, a lot of people over or, or other just it's just not a normal life. It's a great life, but it's just not a normal life. Jennifer understood. Uh, I had I had three beers at lunch yesterday and then um, you know, obviously st- stayed there a long time at uh, where I was. I went to Hundred Mile Brewing Company with Mikey of Bell's National Kitchen, so it was a great day. Saul Sioux, wonderful time. So I had those. Went back home, did a little bit of work, took a nap, then uh, got up because CEO Chris woke me up. <laughs> like, oh, hey, what do you want? Oh, yeah, we're great. Okay, bye. I have no idea what we talked about, to be quite honest. Then got up, started working for a little bit. Then our friends came over, and then we just talked forever. I had three more beers during the evening. They leave. I go upstairs to work. Jennifer comes back uh, over to my chair to, to, to say goodnight, 
And I just checked out. I said, that's it. I'm going to bed. I was so tired. And so I did nothing last night. Nothing. So now I'm in this weird haze because I got up at about about 3.05 this morning and worked from home for about an hour, then got ready and came in, came in a little earlier than normal. Like, I don't know what time I got here, Jeff Weir Production, sometime around 4.30. And, and I've been working for an entire hour and a half here just to figure out, okay, what am I doing today? So I'm, I'm like, I feel like we got a good show coming. But at the same time, I am like completely scrambled of getting everything organized at the last second, which I'm sure, Jeff, you love when I'm kind of scrambling. So just to let you know, Jeff, I had a good night last night, even though it screws your morning. Well, I had a, I had a good night, too. I actually slept till four o'clock in the morning. I woke up yeah, my normal time about one thirty, two o'clock and uh, saw that I had hadn't gotten an email from you. So oh, like, yeah. Yeah, I'm going back to sleep. Oh, that was well done by you. <laughs> That's actually a smart way to go. Very, uh, very smart way to go. Anything else thrilling happen in life? No, uh, you didn't buy any Kobe or uh, Devin Booker signature shoes for your kid or anything like that? <laughs> no, not, not yesterday. All right, all right. Well, then uh, sound credits today. Uh, we have an old piece of sound from that. what you heard from Andre Turini was from Coyote's PR department. We have quite a bit of sound from Sun Devil Source to go through today. That I want to talk some Bobby Hurley. I have a car crash photo if you want to. And, uh, okay, and then uh, the Tillamook Sheriff's Office gave us this. If you want to look at this, uh, this was the, the and finally story. So this guy steals a car sometime before 5 in the morning. Tillamook is, a, you've heard of Tillamook cheese, Tillamook ice cream. It's a little city, and it's the county in Oregon. And uh, they've, got, they've got a great... Uh, I think it's called Alderbrook. They got a really nice golf course. I'll tell you about it in a second in Tillamook. But they steal this car, and there's a sign that says road closed. And they say, oh, screw it. They move the sign because they want to get away. And they drive the getaway car or the, the stolen vehicle through the road closed. Well, you've, you've heard of landslides, mudslides. You've heard of why some roads are closed. Look at this. If you're watching right now on WTSM TV, Look at the gap between the car and the actual road. Holy crap. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> if you are listening to the podcast right now, Amazon, Google, Spotify. Actually, we're going to lose Google soon. That's a Google decision, not me. Uh, tune in, and uh, I don't remember who, what else I said. What we're looking at is off in the distance, you can see the ocean. So it's some kind of ocean side uh, two-lane road. And right where the yellow line is, is about three inches of asphalt. And I am willing to bet that's about seven feet of dirt. And then the other part of the road that's fallen, it's down there. And the car is laying on its roof, meaning it was traveling at a reasonably high rate of speed and went right off where the road just drops out from underneath it. There's literally no road. And it probably had maybe its left tires right on the yellow line. So therefore, it immediately flipped when the right side of the car dropped and it fell onto the roof. And normally I don't laugh about somebody that falls on their head while driving. But when you're driving a stolen vehicle and you drive past a road close sign, I'm not rooting for you to die. But I'm rooting for everything else to go wrong in your day. Definitely rooting for bad karma. Exactly. And it's just the picture is like, holy crap, that's a bad day. Now, I feel horrible for the guy that owned the car. 
because he's not getting that car back. Hey, there's a total loss right there. You're done. But, oh, my gosh. Uh, the, unfortunately, they haven't found the guy. So if you know of any Tillamook car ring, theft rings that are going on, uh, please put in a call to the Tillamook Sheriff's Department. <laughs> that's, that's a landslide. I mean, that road is gone. You see the car. It looks, the, the thing is so deep, the car looks like a Hot Wheel. It just looks like somebody put a little Hot Wheel by a down road or something because there's such a huge gap between where the road actually is and where the engine, the bottom of the car, because the bottom's the one facing up. So it's, uh, I'm highly entertained by that. Dumb crook stories are some of my favorite. People falling down, well, people falling down are number two. Mascot injuries are number one. It doesn't happen very often. But whenever a mascot gets hurt, it's just so funny to me because you see the guy writhing in pain, but there's got a big Billy Marlin or Mariner Moose smile going on while he's writhing. I'm sorry. Sorry you got a broken ankle, dude, but man, you're funny. I laugh at that every single time. Mascot injuries are number one. People falling down are number two. And for me, dumb crook stories. I love dumb crook stories. I love, as, as Jeff Weir Production just said, I love bad karma happening to, uh, to the bad guys. Highly, uh, highly entertaining. Told you about my meeting yesterday. Oh my gosh, what a weird, how does this happen? You talk about a crazy coincidence. So this is, I'm ready. This is a huge meeting, one of the biggest meetings of my life. I am so jacked up for this meeting yesterday at a potential advertiser. Again, I, I never want to say who, and the reason why is because what if they decide that it's not best for them? Or what, and, and what if that's because I fail? You know, I, I don't want anybody mad at a potential advertiser. God bless them for even talking to me. Well, the owner of the company asked me to come out and talk to him last Thursday. I said, okay, great. So I meet with him, and then he's got a guy that's in charge of advertising. Well, after I meet with him, I say, what's next? Do you want me to tell your advertising guy that we met? Do you want to get together the four of us? What do you want to do? And he goes, you know what? I, I say, let's, get, let's have a four-person meeting. Let's take care of that next week. I say, great. The next day, the advertising dude texts me and says, hey, can we get together Tuesday, 10, 15? And, and I said, yes. Do you want me to take care of getting everybody together? And he goes, no, I'll take care of everything. Okay, great. So that's it. So I go to the business yesterday at 10.15. And the owner's there, but the advertising guy isn't. And the owner starts laughing. He goes, what are you doing? And I said, I'm, uh, I'm here for, uh, for, for the meeting. And he goes, well, he, didn't, he said the advertising guy's name. He said, the advertising guy just left to meet you. Where is he going? He says, you guys have a spot downtown. I said, well, we're, I thought we were meeting here. So I immediately called the guy and I said, hey, I'm here at the dealership. He goes, oh, okay, I'll turn around. No big deal. We sit down and we start talking. The advertising guy had no idea I had met with the owner on Thursday. None. He just happened to text me the very next day and, and said, hey, I want to get together. So 
the owner didn't know we were meeting. That was the big meeting. The advertising guy just thought we were going to get together for the for the second time to kind of go over some ideas. And I'm, I think, oh, so I got this big, thick proposal. I'm actually wearing my fat man slacks to try to impress people. I'm all decked out. And it's just me and the advertising guy. Like, no, oh, no, oh, no. I felt like the biggest doofus. So I, hopefully I didn't screw everything up. Uh, but, man, I really love everybody at this business. Love the advertising dude. And it went so well. It went so well. And the guy in charge of their advertising is such an energy. Like, I feel like I have energy. He's such an energetic guy. He asks great questions that makes you feel like, I don't know about you. If people ask dumb questions, I get kind of frustrated. Like, all right, this isn't going anywhere because you're not going to understand it. And if people don't ask questions, then I feel like, well, you don't care. And now I've, I've bombed that. The guy was asking great questions, so I, I'm totally jacked up. So hopefully we get good news soon on, uh, on what could be a legendary moment in Doug Franz Unplugged and WTSM. Uh, let's see. Anything else? Through? Oh, then I, I, called, I texted Mikey of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, and I said, hey, I'm on the east side, so you choose. You want Civilic, you want 100 Mile Brew, or you want your place? And, he's, and Mikey's such a good dude. Think about that. I'm willing to go to your restaurant and buy your food. And he goes, hey, I'm working in Phoenix, so Tempe's halfway, so let's go. All right. So we went to 100 Mile Brewing Company. I had a couple A Mountain Amber Ales. Yeah. And then uh, Mikey and I talked to Sue for a little bit. Sue's excited to get back going with Doug Franz Unplugged. So I'm, I'm just, I'm in a good spot. So thank you. Thank you, Unplugged Army. Hopefully you enjoyed uh, all of those stories. Oh, last thing. Jeff Weir Production, have you ever heard of Bucky's? Yes. Have you ever been to Bucky's? It's that big gas station in Texas, right? Yes. Yes, I have. Okay. What did you think of Bucky's? I thought it was very large and and uh, just too too big. Too big. Okay. Yeah. Here, here's why. Here's why I bring this up. Uh, it just got announced that uh, the first Arizona Bucky's is coming to Goodyear, Arizona. Hey. Okay. Fa- largest or fastest growing city in America, Goodyear, Arizona, uh, where we chose to live a long time ago when nobody lived there, and now everybody wants to get close. To us, I guess. Well, uh, Bucky's is coming. I have uh, before yesterday. I have never heard of this place in my life ever. And the family that came over started talking about Bucky's as if this gas station is to be revered. Have you ever been to Bucky's? Oh my gosh, it's so big. It's so big. There's everything there. And I, I don't know about you. I never stop and think I need a big gas station. But that never goes into my head. And they start going crazy about how great Bucky's is. Start explaining how great the the jerky is that's at Bucky's. They're freaking out. And to me, when I go to a gas station, if it's local, I care about one thing: how cheap is the gas. That's it. All I care about. If I'm on a road trip, I care about two things: a how quickly I can get in and out of your gas station, and how cheap is the gas. And I guess a small third thing is part of number one, can we get to the Mountain Dew quick? So there's, there's, I don't know if you know, you've never traveled with me, you might not know. The car only stops if it needs gas. There's zero reason to stop to go to the bathroom. Buy a bladder, all right? We're not stopping. If the car doesn't need gas, why stop? We don't have time for that. So there's a, there's a way this works. You pull up 
and all the girls get out of the car, daddy pumps the gas. Girls go inside, all three stick together, make sure you buy daddy Mountain Dew, you come back out. As they walk out, if I'm done pumping, I've already moved the car up front. If, they, if I'm not done pumping, they come finish the pump. I run to the bathroom. I get back in the car. There is zero reason by the time you leave the exit ramp to the time you get back on the interstate, that whole process should take longer than 15 minutes. Never. So it's a 15-minute pit stop. Let's go. Off the interstate, back on. We're moving. Bucky, to get excited about, I about spit all over Senator McKay there. There you go. I had to swallow that. Um, to, to get that excited about a gas station, it was very weird having a family at my kitchen table trying to sell me on, I need to get excited about a gas station. They failed. Now, Bucky's, if you would like to advertise on Doug Franz Unplugged, okay. Now I love you. Unless I don't, and then I don't take your money. That has happened. There have been places. There was this one weird cream. My first endorsement at the old show was like some kind of midnight cream. And I started talking about this midnight cream, and I was like, I was thinking, this is so not me. I, what am I doing? And I told, I told the boss, man, hey, I don't, I don't want to do this. And he goes, well, if you turn this down, you might, you, you, the, the sales staff will start asking other people to, uh, to endorse their products, and they won't choose you. And I said, okay. And then I got scared of that, so I did it for another week. And then I went back and I said, no. I, I Listen, I don't know what the rules are, but I'm, not, I, I'm done endorsing something I think is dumb. So, no. Well, you're going to lose that money. Okay, fine. Fine. But I'm not endorsing anything anymore. You come to me and you ask me, do I have a passion for this? Or you sell it to me so I understand why I should have passion. And it was like, it was seriously like three years before I got another endorsement. <laughs> But, hey, you, you kind of know me well enough to know I'm a principal dude. And doing midnight cream at 6.30 in the morning is like, hey, I, don't, I don't know what the cream even does, but I'm not talking about it anymore. You're not going to be like Ricky Bobby and endorse prune candy? Yeah, no, no, <laughs> no. There are rules. There are, there, there are definitely rules. If I don't like it, I don't want to talk about it. It's that simple. Uh, I think I'm done. I did not mean to yap for 27 minutes before I brought content today. I, I, someday. Someday I'm going to be good at this job. I promise. I promise. Town Hall Tuesday coming up in six, five days, whatever it is. Uh, rip me. John, I mean, Doug, will you start getting the content? But truthfully, that's kind of why I got fired. That's one of the reasons, I think is the, uh, the old show, they started yelling at us all the time, quit talking about your family, quit talking about your friends, quit telling stories, get to, the, get to this topic. And they used to argue, topic trumps talent. And we're called talent. Topic trumps talent. They did that five years ago, and I kept arguing, you guys don't have a clue. I shouldn't be telling you this. The, you guys don't have a clue. People like us because we're normal people. No, get to the topic. Get to the topic. So we got to the topic, ratings went in the tank, and then they argued that it was our fault that the ratings were in the tank. <laughs> oh, the old show. I do miss it, but you know what? I, there's a lot of elements I don't miss. I don't miss at all. All right, let's roll. Doug's big one. Doug's big one today. Uh, head coach Bobby Hurley is rumored to be in the running for the DePaul job. DePaul is a Catholic school in Chicago, and all it took, it was one rioter. So when we say rumored, I'm not talking about, I, I, do, I have zero DePaul sources, just so you know. So it's one guy speculating on the future of Bobby Hurley 
and that it would be better for him to take DePaul. And the reason why he speculated on that is very simple. You have Bobby Hurley that, in my opinion, is having a down year at Arizona State. He has no athletic director, so there's, he's kind of in this nebulous re- region right now with nowhere really to go because you, you don't know whether or not your power-ups really like you. Then when you hire a new athletic director, that new AD has no ties to Bobby Hurley. None. So almost, not always, but almost every new athletic director is itching to make changes, itching to come in and put his stamp on things. And starting with Bobby Hurley might be a good decision because Bobby has not been able to develop the program into a consistent contender, but he is, in my opinion, the best coach in the history of ASU when you look at the terrible support that ASU receives basketball-wise from its administration and the fan base, and then you look at how well, how often they've gone to the NCAA tournament under Bobby Hurley. Many, many, many more times than they did under the previous, what, like 30 years of coaches before that. So you can see on Bobby Hurley's standpoint, he's thinking, I demand support and I would want a new contract before the new AD comes in. If you're ASU, you're kind of thinking, hey, win some more games and we'll give you some more money. And then they're also thinking, hey, we got to worry about getting a new AD before we worry about contract. So you've got all of these factors. Those are great reasons why a coach leaves. Great reasons why a coach leaves. Doug's big one today is a different story, though. My number one opinion is, you're DePaul. You haven't been good since the 80s, okay? You stink. There's no way in the world I believe Bobby Hurley wants to go to DePaul and go through the exact same thing. An administration that has not cared about basketball since the 80s. Okay, it, what are you doing? So this guy who, who threw out Bobby Hurley's name, listen, if it was a lot of other jobs in the country, I would be standing here telling you today, look out ASU, just like I did to U of A fans with Jed Fish. As soon as they started winning this year, like fans, you got to get a deal done now. You got to get, look out, look out. And that, nobody would have talked to me about it. And then when I brought it out, granted, I was wrong on the school. I started talking in September. He's going to Texas A&M. He's going to Texas A&M. And so many people, he's not going to Texas A&M. Well, you were right. But the point was, take a major job now because you're not getting the support. So I look at Bobby Hurley. And if there's a ton of jobs out there, I would, you, better, you better keep him. You better, you know, not to Paul. Get real. So, I sent out some texts. I wanted to know how real this was. So, I reached out to some ASU people. And this is between you and I, okay? I mean, it's not really off the record, but at the same time, you know, I, I don't try to throw my name out there and get all that much attention. It's like you and I are on the underground, okay? Like, look at the Ron Miniger conversations. The rest of the media were too scared to run with breaking news from a COO because it doesn't help their platform. Nationally, they don't care about the Cardinals. Since they really don't care about the Cardinals, and since, even though to me, Michael Bidwill is a terrible owner, he's not a guy, and I don't think he's a good person the way he treats his employees, but... 
it's not like he is Robert Sarver and a sexual harasser. It's not like he is a racist jerk like Donald Sterling. It's not like he's a disgusting human being uh, and an embarrassment and a cheater, total cheater. He's a little bit of a cheater, but a total cheater like Daniel Snyder. So when you look, he's not there. There's a massive difference between those three owners and Michael Bidwell. So therefore, when it's not salacious and it's not a compelling team, the rest of the media doesn't care. They don't, they're not into it to do what's right. They're into it to save their own jobs, things like that. Don't give me too much credit for this little rant because I struggled at times in the old show to do what's right. Because I had to argue with people to do what's right. And sometimes doing what's right wasn't worth the argument. I didn't do the wrong thing. I just would stay in the middle until my conscience would get to No, this is not who I want to be. And then I would do what I thought was right. And then the old show would yell at me. And it would be this revolving circle all the time. Well, when I look at this situation with Bobby Hurley and the people that I reached out to, they are happy with the job that Bobby Hurley is doing. They want more. They do. They want more, but they're happy with the job that he's doing. They, however, Bobby, however, I'm not going to say he personally believes it, but people that I know that were nice enough to talk to me, Bobby wants to see support from the upper levels and he wants to see more support from fans and he wants to see more support from boosters in the NIL space. However, he bluntly understands Whatever I want, I can get with more wins. So it's not whining. So in the Bobby Hurley circle, it's no, we want to stay number one. And we're not going to use DePaul as leverage for a new deal. But I don't think you're going to, now this is speculation on my part, not, not anybody texting me. I don't think that anybody in the Bobby Hurley camp, like an agent or something like that, is going to squash the DeBall talk. It's always good for a coach to be talked about by other programs. It's always good for a coach to be wanted by other places. That benefits the coach. And then look how strong it looks like at Oregon when the coach stands up and says, I'm not interested in Alabama. So you build it up for a little bit, You get some leverage for it, and then you say, I've never been interested in that. I'm not going. You know, things like that. That's normal in coaching. But Doug's big one today is I just wanted to laugh at DePaul for a second for thinking this makes sense. This is, we're big time now. No way. Now, let me flip now. I just took eight minutes of your life away for Doug's big one, and now I'm about ready to throw my opinion in the trash and flip it over. If suddenly DePaul, comes out and says here's our plan and we are going to build this new arena and we are going to renovate this practice facility and we are going to spend tons of money on the program and here's the nil money we now have from our boosters and they show that they are completely changed I would say that's a huge threat to live in a city like Chicago, to have a great basketball, a a heritage program that wants to get back to where it was. And it's not a promise of dollars. It's they're already spent. It's like the, the shovel has hit the ground, stuff like that. Then I think Bobby Hurley says, "Okay, let's talk. 
but the speculation of if we find the right guy, we'll then go, no, no. You've got to already have everything moving. And I think that would take too long to get all of those wheels turning to then impress Bobby Hurley. So if you're a fan of Bobby Hurley, I don't think you should be worried at all of him leaving for the DePaul job. If you're not really a fan of Bobby Hurley and you think it's time for a change, I admit I don't think it's time for a change. But even as a friend of Bobby Hurley, I'll look you in the face and say, I understand why you'd say that. I I understand why you would say this isn't good enough because it hasn't been even though he's the best ever in my opinion at that school I think you should be able to expect more however if you expect more you've got to support more and I always laugh my famous line ever since I moved here that ASU fans have Rose Bowl expectations with Sun Bowl support that's always been the case I believe it's going to change with Kenny Dillingham and you got to decide as an ASU fan, do you want it to change with Bobby Hurley? But it's not all your fault. Dr. Crow is a horrible leader, in my opinion, of an athletic department. And he has never figured out he's a horrible leader of an athletic department. So it's hard for me to just dump all my trash on you as an ASU fan saying you're not doing enough when is that really going to get through to Dr. Crow to change the way he runs the program? I don't know the answer to that question at all. All right, coming up next, I would love a deep NFL dive. I want to spend some time looking at the NFL draft, giving you some Cardinals information. It's time to start ramping up and getting excited for the draft a little bit. Senior Bowl has some news that's very important to spend some time talking about. And I I want to get into that for a while. And I got some other little tidbits. Plus, I do want to talk more Bobby Hurley, but more specifically about the state of the program right now. And then do a little bit of a dive into the Suns tonight to see if this run can keep going. That's all next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged. We're presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on the home of the Rattlers and the home of the Sugar Skulls. This is WTSMTV.com. So in the Franz household, we have an air conditioning unit, an air scrubber, a reverse osmosis system, and a tankless water heater all purchased from Parker & Sons. Why? Well, number one, because we trust them. We got to know Parker & Sons about six months into living in Phoenix, and they've showed up on time, got it right the first time, and treated us great every single time. So why would we go anywhere else? The other thing I like is some of the products have even saved us money. The reverse osmosis system gives us bottle quality water from a tap. And then the tankless water heater, I can't even imagine how much money it has saved us. We never run out of hot water, even on holidays when people are coming in to visit. And it doesn't heat up water and then just let it sit in a tank. It only heats it up as we use it. So we only use the electricity when we need it. And our air scrubber takes allergens and bacteria out of the air, which has just been a dream for my wife and my youngest daughter, who have some pretty heavy allergies. Call 602-2-REPAIR to learn about these products. That's 602, the number two, that R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker & Sons. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. 
What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub at Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. It's almost funny, to be quite honest. Something has happened, and I, I literally don't understand it. And I am totally fascinated by this. I, I think this is kind of a big deal. I don't think a lot of other people do. And I want to, I want to be blunt about that at first. The Philadelphia Eagles are going to interview Cliff Kingsbury. They have fired their offensive coordinator, Brian Johnson, and Cliff is one of the first interviews they've got. Now, let me cheat for a second, if you don't mind. I I don't know where Philadelphia drafts in uh, in the first round, but I think it's around 24. Um, Let me see. 20 is Pittsburgh. 21, Miami. 22. So I said 24. It's 22. It makes a lot of sense to for the Bears. The Bears interviewed Cliff Kingsbury. And let me tell you why it makes an absolute ton of sense for the Bears to interview Cliff Kingsbury. Number one, a ton of draft intel. I'm assuming they've already made their decision on Justin Fields. I'm assuming they're moving on. I don't know that, but I'm assuming. But the number one thing they need to do is decide, is Caleb Williams the guy? And a great way to find that out is to interview Cliff Kingsbury and learn everything you can about Caleb Williams through him. There's going to be a great deal of bias now, but learn about Caleb Williams through Cliff. If you decide, A, you're done with Justin Fields, and B, Caleb Williams is the guy, then you do have to ask the question, do you want Cliff Kingsbury to be the offensive coordinator for him? And the reason why you ask yourself that question is after Cliff Kingsbury got fired at the Cardinals, he took a quarterback's coaching job and offensive analyst with USC. So he's been there for the last year with Caleb Williams. And therefore, if he institutes a very similar USC system, you now get the huge benefit of a rookie quarterback who walks right in and totally understands his NFL offense. That rarely happens. Now, let's look at it from the flip side. That's one of the number one reasons why Cliff was hired as the head coach of the Cardinals. The thought process was, number one, you've got Kyler Murray, and even though Cliff wasn't his head coach, He runs a run-and-shoot system very similar to Lincoln Riley. He studied Lincoln Riley's offense and terminology, fitted into his own system, used Oklahoma terminology, and said, here you go. And now Kyler walks right in, and he doesn't have to worry about being able to learn the NFL offense. He's already got the Cliff Kingsbury offense down. Some of the weaknesses of Cliff Kingsbury are personal that are overcome if you have a strong head coach. Meaning, 
I think he allowed Kyler Murray to be late to meetings and there wasn't any ramifications or enough ramifications for anybody on uh, on the team to really earn that respect. I don't think he held Kyler accountable. In some areas, and this is kind of an insult and a compliment to Cliff Kingsbury at the same time, I think he treated people like professionals. You're professional, do your job, you don't need me to discipline you. Well, then, when people weren't professional, things go down. And Cliff Kingsbury isn't the type of person, in my opinion, that can hold people accountable, get people back up to the level that they need to be. I I think he easily gets overrun by players, and it's kind of an embarrassment. But as an offensive coordinator, you allow the head coach to run the team, to discipline the team. Cliff, you just worry about the offense and developing Caleb Williams. There are some positives to that. Now, my opinion about him as an offensive coordinator, here's the catch. I think he's bad. I think he is a brilliant. Have you ever had a professor that's really smart and, and a great writer, maybe a brilliant dude, but when he actually teaches you, you don't learn jack? He just doesn't get it. He doesn't know how to teach. He doesn't know how to take his information and relay it to you. The thing with Cliff Kingsbury, in my opinion, is I 100% believe he's a grab bag play caller. He studies like crazy. He works his butt off, learns the other team's defense, designs these great plays that should expose mistakes that are happening in this defense. I think he's great at that. But here's the problem. He can't relay those plays to other people. He isn't able, good enough disciplinarian to teach in a practice session enough to be able to get you to run the offensive play. I'm not going to say flawlessly. There's 11 guys on the other team, a coaching staff and scouts that are all geared up to beat Cliff Kingsbury. So it's hard. It's not an easy job. But he isn't able to have a core. He isn't able to say, this is what we do well. And when you don't have that core, it's a grab bag of play calling. This didn't work, let's try this. This didn't work, let's try this. This didn't work, let's try this. A great play caller will call some plays in the first quarter that are designed to see what the defense does. If we run this motion, what do you do? How, do we, how does this relate to future plays? What can we do two weeks ago with a play call? to see what you're going to do about it. So when we run this, we have that on film. Now when we run the counter against you, what happens? I don't think he builds play calling like a book. And all of a sudden, bam, I open up chapter seven in the third quarter, and now I've got you. I just think he grabs anything off his play sheet, and the guys can't run it. So then he comes to you as a fan, say, wow, they had a good play, they, they had a good play in force. We just didn't execute. Then he shows the players the play. We called this. You were supposed to do this. You didn't execute. The play worked. Didn't work. And now all the players are like, well, Cliff's right. If we would have done what he asked us to do, we would have won the game. Not true. Because he's asking players to do, I'm not going to say the impossible, but the truly very difficult to not rep plays enough during the whole year to suddenly execute them. It's like, hey, we got a couple practices this week. Here's what we're throwing on the board to try. Let's see if it works. Now, obviously, if Cliff Kingsbury's sitting here, he's yelling and screaming at me, saying, I don't know anything that I'm talking about. He would say, of course, we practice that enough. He would have that, and I would disagree with him. Well, 
if the Bears want him as a quarterback's coach, I kind of like that. If the Bears want him as the offensive coordinator, I think the exact same thing is going to happen. Exact same thing that happened here with the new young quarterback. I brought all of this up because it's the Eagles that are interviewing. The Eagles in no way are going to be able to move up from pick number 24 all the way up to be able to draft Caleb Williams. So therefore, you're not doing it for a quarterback. You believe in Jalen Hurts, so you think the way Cliff runs an offense might be great for Jalen Hurts. The reason why I find this fascinating, and keep in mind, Jalen Hurts, although really showed his medal as a human being when he was at Alabama, he showed his medal as a quarterback at Oklahoma running the offense that Cliff Kingsbury took from Oklahoma and brought to Arizona. It's the same thing. So there's no learning curve really for Jalen Hurts. I think this would be a terrible hire for the Eagles, but I'm fascinated by it for this reason. If I'm right that it's a terrible hire, Cliff Kingsbury never comes back to the NFL. I don't have anything against Cliff Kingsbury, the human being. I just think he's, it's just a joke. There are way too many proven offensive minds at the professional level than to grab some below average coach out of Texas Tech, drop him into the NFL. I, I just think it's crazy that he's even being considered. I don't think he's that good. And I don't know what I'm missing. But if I'm wrong, who cares if I'm wrong? Okay, this is what this is about. But if I'm wrong and Cliff Kingsbury does a great job in Philadelphia and Jalen Hurts starts putting up numbers as good or even better than he was putting up a couple years ago, what does that say about Kyler? I mean, when you look at just skill set, I think Kyler has better arm strength than Jalen Hurts. Doesn't have the windows to throw through because he's shorter. But I like his arm strength better. I like the zip on his throws better. And there's no doubt he's faster than Jalen Hurts. I don't know if he's necessarily a better runner only because Jalen Hurts does things that I don't think Kyler does. You might say, well, wait a minute. Have you seen Kyler? No, I've seen all those things. But Kyler seems so hesitant to do it. If we put together a highlight package, Jalen Hurts versus Kyler Murray, I'm an idiot, okay? There's no way your highlight package of Kyler Murray is less impressive than the highlight package of Jalen Hurts. But I believe in totality – Jalen Hurts' ability to do, in my opinion, to do a better job of keeping his eyes downfield as he's moving the pocket. And then if he doesn't see anything, I think he's consistently a better runner than Kyler. Only because Kyler so often doesn't do it. And that's why I would like Jalen Hurts. If Cliff might be able to prove it was Kyler that didn't want to run the ball the way he was coached. It's Kyler that didn't study the opponent and be able to get through his reads properly. It was Kyler this, Kyler He wouldn't have to say it because Jalen Hurts would be doing it. That, to me, is very interesting. So this, this pairing, although I think the Eagles are idiots for doing it, although I think I'm going to be proven right and it's going to fall on its face, If I'm wrong, okay, I look dumb between you and I, and I've got to re-earn your respect. 
But nationally, Kyler's the one that looks bad. Now, it won't matter if Kyler does well with Drew Petzing. If Kyler does well as a member of the Cardinals, no one's going to look at Cliff. Oh, Cliff is the one that redeemed himself. No one's going to say, well, Kyler was immature and idiotic and not prepared there, and it was clearly Kyler's fault, not Cliff's. But Cliff grew up, so now he's happy. Cliff, uh, uh, So now Kyler's happy, I should say. Kyler grew up. He's happy. Cliff proved himself. Everybody's happy. That could be the narrative. But I want you to watch out for that one. There's another issue that you need to know. Israel Woolfork is the quarterback's coach uh, for the American team at the Senior Bowl. The Senior Bowl is one of the – it's probably the best place, even better than the Combine, to truly learn about prospects, scouts, coaches, intel, everything. Everybody that's there has meetings each night with different coaches and different scouts and different teams. And it's a much more open level of communication than the combine is. The combine gets the hype, but the senior bowl is actually where it's at. And then you actually have practices. The amount of intel the Arizona Cardinals are going to get by having Michael Penix Jr. and Bo Nix as quarterbacks with their quarterbacks coach coaching them it is invaluable it is the only place in the world where you're going to be able to sit with michael Penix jr put different cardinals plays on the board and then watch the very next day how well does he execute how well does he understand the play And then going into a game, how well does he run everything? How well does the offense click with actual Cardinals plays? Now, I said he's a quarterback coach, not the full-on OC. But this is huge for the Arizona Cardinals. Now, when I say huge, what happens in the second round? What happens in the third round? If they draft a Bo Nix or a Michael Penix Jr., that shows you those guys blew them away because I think it sends a signal to Kyler Murray that I don't think the Cardinals want to send right now. I think they want to go into this year, whether Jonathan Gannon is being totally honest that he loves Kyler Murray Or whether he's lying that he loves Kyler Murray, but the salary cap hit is so restrictive, they're not going to cut him. Okay, it's there's there's three options with Kyler. You either designate him as a June 1st cut and he sits on your salary cap until June 1st and you're drafting a rookie quarterback, meaning you're probably trading up from number four. Okay, because number four, I think the top three guys are gone and that's probably not a great move. If you do that, I think you're stuck with Kyler. So it's one of two things. Either you love Jonathan Gannon loves Kyler or he's lying, but has to suck up the cap hit. But if they actually draft Penix or Bo Nix, I don't think they do it to take a flyer. I don't think they just say, hey, let's just let's just do this because I think it means they were blown away by something that happened at the Senior Bowl and all pressure is put on Kyler because he's still going to stay. Let's see what you do the next year. And we already know Kyler doesn't handle it well if people aren't all in on him around him. He thinks he's a competitor. He's man, I'm a competitive dude. I'm going to fight her, blah, 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 blah. Okay, 
you're a fighter as long as everybody's behind you. You're kind of Matt Leinart in that way. At least that's what you've proven. How are you going to handle it when you know the organization thinks it's time to replace you and they actually put somebody in there? That's a strong move by the Cardinals. Do I think this will happen? No, I don't. I don't. Now, you might say, well, then why are you bringing it up? I'm telling you, that's why it's so cool that they have a guy in the room. Because if Bo Nix blows them away, if Michael Penix Jr. blows them away in study habits, study habits, work ethic, intellect, I don't think you pass that up. Not at number four. And not even in that middle pick of the first round that's the Houston Texans. No way. There's too many other players you can get right there since you're already stuck with Kyler. But if one of those guys blows them away, Keep an eye on that second first-round pick to see if they trade down with that one. You're not going to want to – let me cheat. Do you mind if I cheat? Where do the Houston Texans um, draft, which is the Cardinals pick? I believe it's 17. No, it says Jacksonville. Um, Should I do my dun-to-dun noise? There it is. I'm sorry. It's number 27. Well, you know what? I actually thought it was better than that. That was bad prep on my part. 27, you can make a trade probably, let's say Baltimore wins the, uh, the, the Super Bowl. So they would be picking at number 32. And they did the same thing. They traded into number 32 a couple years ago and drafted Lamar Jackson because you like having that fifth-year option you get with a first-round pick. If the Cardinals traded back from 27 to wherever Baltimore is, They might be doing that because they love one of the quarterbacks and they want that fifth-year option because they're not going to even have him play in year one. Now, other parts of this, okay? The draft itself. The number four selection has become super interesting because it does seem like a foregone conclusion. Look at the top three teams in the draft. Bears, Justin Fields. Uh, Washington Commanders, who knows who's their quarterback right now. It's hard to remember. And New England Patriots, more than likely guaranteed with a new head coach and a new system, they are totally done with their quarterback situation. So in the Mel Kuyper Jr. mock draft, he's got Bears, Caleb Williams, Commanders, Jaden Daniels, Patriots, Drake May. That's either going to happen or somebody trades into those top three spots to draft the quarterback. It does seem like the Arizona Cardinals sitting at number four will have their pick of the best position player in the whole draft. Now, just think of these non-quarterback names. And wouldn't you agree with me, the, 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 the team's biggest needs are pass rusher, cornerback, Offensive line, wide receiver. Guess what this draft has? Cornerbacks, wide receivers, a couple of elite offensive linemen where the Cardinals are drafting, but there is a drop-off after the first two, and wide receivers galore. So, I do believe the prevailing wisdom is that the number one position player in this draft, not quarterback, is Marvin Harrison Jr. You can have him. 
You can have him right there at number four. You've got the best player on the board. Everybody's thrilled. Everybody's happy, right? Okay. But think about these other names. So let me just throw out some other names that could make you possibly want to trade down. Here you go. Brock Bowers, tight end. A lot of people love him, but you don't need a tight end. He's going to be a great tight end in the NFL. Maybe somebody trades up with you to get him because the Chargers are drafting at number five. And if I'm the Chargers, I want to get a young tight end that's going to be my Gronkowski to Brady to really help um, Herbert. So I, I think that's a fantastic pick for them. So if you want him, you've got to get up to number four to get him. Uh, I don't think somebody's going to trade the farm for him, but maybe. Then you've got uh, wide receiver-wise, you've got Neighbors, and you've got uh, Roma Dunze. Oh, Dunze's my favorite, okay? Tackle-wise, you've got Alt out of Notre Dame, who I like better than Fashanu of Penn State, but I like I, I like um, uh, Fashanu as well. So you've got two elite tackles. Then the pass rush position, you've got Dallas Turner, who's really good. You've got Latu, who's really good out of UCLA. And you've got my favorite uh, pass rusher is the kid out of Florida State, uh, Jared Verse. So you've got those three positions that you can go for a pass rusher. And then cornerback, oh my gosh, go crazy at, uh, at cornerback, in which you can take – I'm cheating to look everybody up that that I haven't written down in my notes. Wiggins out of Clemson, I like. Arnold out of Alabama, I love. Um, who else is on the list? That uh, uh, Lassiter with Cardinals ties with Kwame uh, out of Georgia that I like. Um, anybody else that I'm in heaven about? Uh Probably not. So then the wide receiver position, I'm going to take forever if I go through, okay? So trading down is 100% the best option. But remember what I said. Unless you're trying to get ahead of the Chargers for Bowers, nobody's trading up to four to get a quarterback. Even people that like Penix Jr., even people that like McCarthy out of Michigan, even people that like Bo Nix, they don't like them at number four. So there's not going to be a heavy market. You're not going to get a ton to trade down. So what are you going to do? They probably end up staying at four. And there's still going to be a lot of good players at 27. But that might be a time where you can trade back and get a buttload of picks. So really, this draft comes down to, do they love Marvin Harrison Jr.? Boom, he's selected at number four. Or... Do they look at a Dunze and or other wide receivers and say, you know what? Our defense is so bad. And I love Jared Verse. I love Verse out of Florida State. If we if we even don't get a lot, like I realize like there's a draft chart, okay? And therefore normal pundits, if the Cardinals trade down, will look at the draft chart and say they got less than they should for trading the number four pick. And they'll start ripping the Cardinals. This is terrible. You should have gotten this, you should have gotten this, whatever. Well, the truth is there's only a player or two that the world is moving up to number four to get. You're not going to be able to get a premium. You're not going to get a ton of people. So therefore, you don't trade down that far and you allow somebody to get a sale. Hey, we've got a sale. We've got the number four pick and it's only going to cost you this. It's only going to cost you this year's 
third round pick. It's only going to cost you next year's second round pick. It's not going to cost you very much. Now, when I say that, I'm talking about moving down three spots, four spots, something like that. But you're moving down slightly, but you're still getting the defensive, the corner that you want, the pass rusher you want, the tackle that you want. It's still right there for you if you're not in love with Marvin Harrison Jr., If you love Marvin Harrison Jr., if you look at that kid and say, that is going to be a Hall of Famer, you love, okay, fine. I'm always in favor of best player available. And if you believe in him that much, great. I think he's going to be great too. I do. So I'm not going to lose my mind if they draft Marvin Harrison Jr. at number four. But even if I have to have a little bit of a sale, I'm trading down because I desperately think they need a tackle, and I love Alt. I do think they need a wide receiver, and I love Adunze. So if he's there later in the draft, I I think he's going to be great. So why not take a great receiver and get an extra pick for it? And if you trade into the middle of the round, oh my gosh, do I love Verse at about pick 15? You give me Jared Verse to rush the passer out of Florida State at pick 15? Yeah, yeah, I like that. So you see where you're going. This all is going to keep developing, so pay attention to the Senior Bowl. Pay attention to how Bo Nix looks and Michael Penix Jr. If they look great in the practice, not necessarily the game, but if they look great in the practices, then you'll have to think, all right, wheels are possibly turning for the second round or trading back with their pick number 27 from the Texans and maybe drafting one of those guys at the end of the first round so you pick up the fifth-year option. If they don't look great, and that's only a stretch, if they don't look great, you know, okay, they're sitting at four wondering can they trade, but there's not going to be a lot of players that want to trade to four. So what do they do? These are – I love this stuff. I love the draft. And we've got somebody that's better than the than, than me on the draft here at our company at WTSMTV.com. Bruce Cooper's fantastic. Every Tuesday at noon, hanging with Coop. Cooper is fantastic. I've had some great draft conversations with him over the years. So I'm hoping that we do a whole draft show based on Coop's knowledge. And we all join Coop on his island. So I, I want to turn this into a great draft station. So if you love the NFL draft, or even if you only casually like it, I hope to do a really good job here on Doug Franz Unplugged. I know Steve likes the draft. I know Izzy likes the draft, although we'll be able to make fun of whatever the Bears do. I think we're going to do a really good job with the draft. So if you haven't thought about it and you're listening right now to Doug Franz Unplugged for free on the podcast, you might want to give us a chance. And and especially as we move into February, we get into the combine, that might be a great time to give us like a three or four month trial and see if we hit the draft as hard and as well as you expect from us. And then uh, you might enjoy the coverage. And then that'll flow right into Rattlers football during the season. So I think we've got a lot of things that are upcoming that you're going to like. Uh, if you if you love that kind of, of draft talk. And if you didn't watch uh, his show yesterday, Coop Show, go back and watch it. It was really fun. Oh, that's awesome Jeff, of you, Jeff Weir Production. Jeff I, Schneider wasn't there, but he made his uh, he made an appearance as the Met the Met mascot. What's his name? Uh, <laughs> Mr. Met. Mr. Met. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was it was pretty funny. Oh my gosh, good. Thanks for that. I uh, 
I was yapping so long in a meeting that I, uh, I, and because the meeting started late, I never had a chance to get back and try to be a part of it myself. So I'm glad that everything went well. And I admit to you, I haven't watched it yet. I, I probably was going to watch it over the weekend, but now you pushed me to make sure that I get a watch tonight before the sun. So had an NFL Hall of Famer on as well. Thank you. I'm jacked up then. That was awesome of you to do that. And then let me give you a job that, that is rude because you know how it is you're in a meeting and somebody comes up with a good idea. And they say, great, it's now your job. If that ever happens again that you're sitting there and you love something that happens with Bruce Cooper, do you mind cutting out a snippet and telling me about it and let's play it on the show Sure. on Wednesday morning? I would love to do that. And, okay. I, and I'll say the same thing about everybody. Anytime one of our shows just grabs you with a point that nobody's thought about or that, that really makes you think about something, I'd love to highlight it and talk about it, Whether, even if I disagree with it. Oh, I love the point. Um, I should do that more often. Got to love production meetings on air, right? Why not? Why not? I, I'm a laid back dude. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, bother me or grab me. All right. Uh, I, I love talking some football with you. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Coming up next, I want to do still a lot. I got some baseball Hall of Fame I'd like to talk about with you. I'd, li- I got, I'd like to hit some ASU hoops a little bit. And I'd like to talk Suns and Coyotes. And I'd like to talk to Steve McCollum in 20 minutes. Hopefully I can do all that. And if I go up in flames, hey, I still tried well. There's some people that care about that, even though I don't. This is Doug Franz Unplugged. We're presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. And we're the home of the Rattlers and the home of the Tucson Sugar Skulls. This is WTSMTV.com. It's big, it's juicy, it's meaty. Get your burrito at Burrito Express. Burrito Express started with my father about 25 years ago. He got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old, and I'm gonna do a trial out of my house. So literally we decided we're gonna start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now. How are you? How did everything go for you yesterday in life? It's uh it's a Wednesday. It's in a kind of like an earn your pillow day. I don't really care about the hump day portion of it, but just remember other people around you are starting to slack off. You're in the unplugged army. Show yourself. Here you go. Here you go. And then earn your right to celebrate. Whether it's a beer Friday at Bell's Nashville Kitchen, whether you are uh, headed to the golf course coming up this week. I tell you what, great golf course food. Is, if you're an East Sider, see if you can do this. I think it's worth it. Set a tee time at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. And on your way, swing through Burrito Express. Now, I'll tell you a secret that I don't think Angel wants you to know. If you have a buddy with you that you're golfing with, okay, I would do this, and I'm totally serious. I would go get a breakfast burrito at Burrito Express. The reason why Angel doesn't want you to know this, they are so good and so big, they would a half of one would be perfect. So buy a full one. Go to the golf course. Give the other half to the buddy you're golfing with and then make him buy the first round because, hey, you, you, just, bought, you just bought breakfast. 
it's the perfect amount of food to then be fueled up and ready to go on the course. So now you're at Whirlwind. You told the un- you said I'm in the Unplugged Army at both Burrito Express and at Whirlwind. Player, player. That's the way to get it done. Seven locations on the east side. There's two events that are coming up. One of them is a sanctioned event I want you to know about. So please figure out a way to make sure you're doing it. The other event is not a sanctioned event only because it's coming up a little quick and I want to be fair to you, okay? If I, if I tell you about something that's it's only a week and a half away, I don't think that's enough promotion for me to have high expectations. So I want to be fair to you, but oh my gosh, you're talking about the second longest active uh, advertiser on Doug Franz Unplugged. That's when I need you. February 3rd, it's really all day, but I'm specifically going to be there around noon is the grand opening of the new store on Kyrene and Tempe. So look up Burrito Express. You can tweet them if you want information at Burrito EXP. Use hashtag Unplugged Army so they know. You can go to BurritoExpress.com and look up the information. But I'm definitely going to be out there. Mikey's going to be out there. I know General Mike is coming as well. So I want to see you on February 3rd, if you can make it, Burrito Express on Kyrene and Tempe. And then... Uh, the 23rd, that's our sanctioned event. That's the big boy in which you go to unplugged at whirlwind.com. It's not totally set up yet, but unplugged at whirlwind.com for our event, February 23rd, sanctioned. Oh, very good, Jeff Weir Production. Oh, you had to be quick right there. There it is. There it is. There's the, uh, uh, there's the Beer Friday. There's the Whirlwind Golf Club logo, and there's the information. Wild Horse Pass, sanctioned event, February 23rd. Tea times will start at noon and keep going forward. Get yourself signed up as soon as the website's ready. I just, I'll, boom, I'm going to say, it's active, let's go, and, uh, and get you set up to go there for our next sanctioned golf event. And I'd just love to see you out there. And uh, if you don't golf, don't worry. Go to lunch at Civlik. I'll be there uh, probably with a real early lunch for me because my, I'm going to probably tee off at noon. It takes me about 45 minutes to get warmed up. So I'll probably do, like for me, lunch at 1030 is nothing. But I'll be there eating from probably 1030 to 11, having a beer. Then I'm going to go warm up. And then I'll be back for happy hour. So if it's easier for you to hang out for happy hour and get your full day of work in and then come over for happy hour, do that. I'll be there all day, okay? Uh, So I I really want you to there. Really want to meet you, especially those of you that have been able to make make it out to one of our events. Please sign up as as soon as the site is live. Baseball Hall of Fame was announced yesterday, and I really disagree with one. I'm happy, but I, I really disagree with one. Let me talk to you first about the ones that the one that I agree with. Adrian Beltre, to me, no brainer. Don't even want to think about it. I'm glad he's in. 93 wins above replacement. I am cheating. I don't have his numbers memorized. 286 batting average, good enough. Yes, I care about batting average. 339 on base percentage, good enough. 480 slugging, I'm really happy with the 480 slugging. But to me, there are accumulative numbers that matter. When you get to 3,000 hits, you're in. Minus steroids, you're in. And he's at 477 home runs, close enough to the magic number of 500. I admit, I don't know if he's used steroids. 
I am one that I don't vote you in if I think you did. If I think you did, I, I don't care if there's proof or not. If I think you did, I don't vote you in. A lot of people can't stand that opinion from me. And the reason why I hold firm on it is, hey, I blame the Players Association. During the 90s, during the, that, the steroids era, you had enough time that you fought all testing. You were angry about testing. So you didn't want to protect the Frank Thomases of the world that were not cheating. You chose not to protect the Ken Griffey Juniors who were not cheating. So therefore, I'm not voting your guys in. If I think they used, they cheated. Now, some people argue, wait, if they cheat, if it's a pitcher, if a cheating pitcher gives up a home run to a cheating hitter, what does it matter? So many of them were cheating, it doesn't matter. I understand your point, but think about what you're doing to the guy that did it right. I wouldn't say he's a friend, and I don't even have his number, so of course he's not a friend. But there's a guy I got to know pretty well in Kansas City. His name was Mike Sweeney. Very good ball player. I actually believe if he would have played in a non-steroid era, I think he would have been a great ball player. But playing in a steroids era as a guy that didn't take steroids, the numbers were good, but not great. So every time you say vote in the steroids guy, then I say, well, what about a Mike Sweeney? How much better would he have been as a clean guy playing in a dirty sport? I think, and maybe Mike Sweeney would look right at me and say, Doug, I don't need you to protect me. I don't need you to talk about me. But I think my no vote on an A-Rod, on a Rafael Palmero, I would have voted no on Jeff Bagwell, even though that alienates people like crazy. My no vote on steroid guys is kind of a protective vote of a Mike Sweeney. Would I vote in Mike Sweeney? No, I wouldn't. I admit it. I wouldn't. Because it's still about having the numbers, but to me it's having the numbers clean. So I vote yes on a Frank Thomas. I vote yes on a Ken Griffey Jr. I vote no on an A-Rod. Even though the numbers of Rafael Palmero are a no-brainer that he belongs in the Hall of Fame. You tested positive, you're out. You're on the Mitchell Report. I don't even know how much I believe in the Mitchell Report. Gary Sheffield. The numbers are 100% there. Numbers-wise, Gary Sheffield is 100% a Hall of Famer, no question. I think he used. Therefore, I'm not voting him in. He's out. Uh, Beltre, though, if he didn't use, the numbers are there, and I care about 3,100 hits. I vote him in. He's in. Todd Helton. Todd Helton got in. He got 79% of the vote. You need 75% of the vote. And uh, just so you know about Todd Helton, and I don't know if Jeff Weir Production knows this, Todd Helton is from Knoxville, so that alone he shouldn't be in. If you're from Eastern Tennessee, you're out. That's not fair. (laughs) Then you have a chance after high school to get out of Knoxville. And where does he choose to go to school? (laughs) He stays in Knoxville. I think almost all of you know this, but in case you don't, it's a funny trivia question. Todd Helton could not get the starting job at Tennessee, and he's in the Hall of Fame. Do you know who was in his way? Peyton Manning. (laughs) He was the backup quarterback for a little while, too. But he eventually stayed focused on baseball. Here's his numbers. 2,500 hits, 369 home runs. However, he was consistently one of, if not the best first baseman. He batted 316, there's a magic number. 400 on-base percentage, magic number. 500 slugging percentage, magic number. The magic analytic numbers are 345. 
So if you're over three, four, five in a career that you had over a 60 uh, wins above replacement in a 17-year career, 17 years, consistent all-star, guy that had three, four, five, you're in to everybody else. So if you voted for Todd Helton, I don't think you're an idiot. I'm not mad at you, and I get it. My vote would be no. Sorry, Mr. and Mrs. Helton. The reason why I would vote no is because, number one, I don't have my magic accumulative numbers. He's not at 500 home runs, he's not at 3,000 hits, and he's not at 1,500 RBIs. And when I'm talking about the numbers of home runs, he's 130 away. When I'm talking about hits, he's 500 hits away. So I don't get my magic numbers that I want, and I admit to you, I am penalizing him for Coors Field. And that's the number one issue where people who think he's a Hall of Famer say, I'm just dead wrong. How is it his fault where he got drafted? We blame players for not being loyal. This guy's loyal to the Rockies his whole career, and you want to hold it against him. They lose their mind. And I understand why you would lose your mind about that. No, it's not his fault that he played his whole career in Coors Field. However, it's undeniable the advantage of Coors Field, not just in the home runs, not just because of the thin air, but one aspect of the thin air is breaking balls don't break as much, so it's easier to hit the ball. Secondly, with that much of an advantage to hit home runs, the walls are a lot deeper. Therefore, a lot of hits that are out somewhere else because the outfielder is closer to the plate now drop in at Coors Field. And the advantage to me of playing 81 games a year there at Coors Field, I, th- I think that's too much. So for me, I don't vote him uh, into the Hall of Fame. Now, other people would say that that's absolutely ridiculous, and I, I want to tell you I, uh, I totally understand that. Because here's his road stats, all right? And this is where people look at it and say, I'm being uh, a little unfair when you look at him on the road. But he had 227 home runs at home, only 142 home runs on the road. He had 859 RBIs at home. He only had 547 at home. He batted 345 at home, 287 on the road. That thrilling on base percentage that's over 400, it's 440 at home. It's all the way down to 386 on the road. That 500 on uh, slugging percentage, that the magic number of 500, it's because he batted 600. Uh, since they batted, slugged 600 at home, and it was down to 469 on the road. Those splits are so big that, to me, I don't vote Todd Helton in. Other people love him, and I get it. I do get it. And I understand somebody saying, I'm not holding home park against him. He's in. Okay. The one I really am against, and you're not going to – this is one where I'm a little stubborn on, where you're not going to convince me he belongs in, is Joe Maurer. And I want to explain why, because I think this is really important. You look at his 55 wins above replacement, a 300 career batting average, 388, 439 on base slugging. So remember, your slash line, you want it to be 300, 400, 500. He's got the 300, only 12 points shy of the 400, and only about 60 spots uh, slot shy of the 500. That's a really good number. So then they take those numbers and they say, those are great as a catcher. 
When you have numbers like that as a catcher, you belong in. I understand that. He also had three years where he had, he had three batting titles. He had one year where he led in slugging percentage. I know the numbers, but I'm sorry. 131 games played, 140, 109, 146, 138, 137, 82, 147, 113, 120, 158, that's nice, 134, 141, 127. He didn't play a ton, and he eventually rarely played catcher. So we build him up as this great numbers as a catcher. And then you look and you realize, what he didn't play catcher all of his career. He moved to first base a lot. He played designated hitter a lot. So suddenly when you put him at first, put it this way. You give somebody these exact same numbers that Joe Maurer got. Exact same numbers. And let's say the guy's a jerk. Let's put him on five different teams and not the same team every year. And let's put him in a corner infield position. Guess what happens? He doesn't get in. To me, there's no way with his numbers he gets in as a third baseman, he gets in as a guy that spent five different was on five different teams, or if he's a jerk. I don't think he gets in. But because he's a great person, spent his whole career with the same team, and got labeled as a catcher, those are three reasons to put him in. I get it. I understand why they're doing that, but I think it's wrong. I think it's wrong for you to vote with your heart and say somebody's a really good guy. And it's wrong to say he got in as a catcher because he played too many games at other positions and didn't play enough games every year. I'm sorry that he got hurt. I believe he would have been a Hall of Famer if he didn't get hurt. I totally believe that. He's a Hall of Fame person and would have been a Hall of Fame player if he didn't get hurt. But how many players would we sit here and say, oh, if he wouldn't have got hurt, look at what would have happened. I'm sorry you got hurt. But that's not good enough. That's why it's a Hall of Fame. I want it to be elite. I want it to be hard. I want people mad at me for not voting people in. I want the Hall of Fame to truly be the Hall of Fame. Not the Hall of Awesome, the Hall of Really Good. I don't want that. When I list the greatest catchers of all time, when I'm talking about Thurman Munson, Johnny Bench is number one, uh, in my opinion. Uh, I would probably say Molina's pretty darn good. Maybe Molina number two. Uh, Gary Carter, to me, is number three. Pudge Rodriguez, maybe number four, but he's got steroids issues. But if we're just talking about the catcher position, don't forget Yogi Berra, Mickey Cochran. There, there's some great catchers. I'm going to go on forever before I say Joe Maurer. And therefore, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. Sorry, Mr. and Mrs. Maurer, because I know, you know, luckily, nobody cares what I think. And the fourth person that got in is Jim Leland, but that was a different committee, and he totally deserved that. Bobby Hurley had a um, media availability, and they're going up to Oregon to take on the Ducks. So the first question was really about Oregon, and I kind of like what he said, and I want to give you a little breakdown, breakdown, breakdown of Oregon. They're a good team. They're, uh, they resemble more of the teams that, that I'm accustomed to playing at Oregon uh, in terms of the good teams that, that uh, Dana Altman has had there since I've been in the Pac-12. And, uh, you know, they, they play with a, a good level of aggression. They have great athletes. They, uh, you know, they have a good inside presence, one of the best inside players in our league. They have a uh, great perimeter shooting. 
So they, uh, they check a lot of boxes. They're a very good basketball team. GCU's on the road, Stephen F. Austin. They're before ASU tomorrow night. Uh, U of A is on the road at Oregon State. They tip off after that game. But since there was a presser with Bobby Hurley, U of A fans, that's why I'm doing Bobby Hurley. If I'm wrong and, and Tommy Lloyd had a presser, I just blew it. I have to admit to you, I just blew it. I didn't see it. So that's why I wanted to talk about um, ASU and and their presser. He's right when he's taking a look at what this team brings to the table. It is back to the pressure teams that Oregon likes to play. But that's funny. That actually feeds into the same pressure that ASU plays. They're going to have a hard time, however, being able to handle Dante in the middle. Uh, Now that he's healthy, we'll see what he's – um, able to do because I think they really struggle in guarding the the center position. I think that that's a big struggle for them. And he, he hasn't played much this year, but now that he's playing, that's going to be a matchup nightmare for them. Uh, next question to Bobby Hurley. I kind of like it. Just give me the generic growth. Where, where are you seeing, because you are winning a few more games than you were at the beginning of the year, where are you seeing your growth? new development of the bench um, and you know when I say that I think uh, you know I liked what I saw from Bryant and his efforts and and, and you know getting Sean Phillips going again um, you know Kamari Lands is, is someone that I think could be very important for us the second half of the season I think there's you haven't seen anything like what I've seen from him you know in the summer and leading into the season and it hasn't exactly happened for him yet but I think there's still time and you know so I I, if you're asking me I would say that and just the continued uh, growth uh, amongst the core players just continuing to learn you know playing together building that chemistry the cohesiveness that that you're starting to see at times the guys are really gelling on the floor offensively in particular trusting each other sharing the ball so that and over the last month has from the Northwestern game before Christmas to now in that one area is the growth has been significant and I think it still could get better. Interesting what he said about Kamari Lands in in the sense that he is let me cheat for a minute one two three four five yeah he is the leading bench guy in minutes at 20 minutes a game so that's significant yet he's only averaging five points a game and three boards that's that's not great in 20 minutes of playing time not a disaster and there's plenty of bench guys in america that are only at five and three but i I thought that's interesting where he's looking at his bench, looking at Kamari Lands. If you're an ASU fan and you're watching the Oregon game, I'm, I would never have would have told you, hey, keep an eye on Kamari Lands. But now the coach has called him out a little bit. And I, I didn't say call him out like in a negative way, but saying I'm seeing everything I want to see from him in practice and I'm admitting it's not translating to the game. He wouldn't say that to us if he's not saying that to Kamari. And I think you come out publicly with something like that when you start to believe, here we go, it's, it's about to happen because you and you want to put that on a kid. You want him to think about what's expected of him. Uh, another one that I think is interesting to talk about is Sean Phillips. He's the same dude in the sense that he's averaging five and three. Here's what coach said about Sean Phillips bringing more to the table. Sean is just it's going to 
you know, it's going to depend game to game. I think this is a game that, you know, you know we need Sean. <laughs> You're playing a guy like Dante, as big as he is, uh, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's our most physical presence we have on the roster. And so, uh, you know, really need him to, to step up in this game, certainly. And, and uh, there's no extreme pressure on Sean. Like it's, you know, he's our youngest player. I think he's going to get better and better. I think it's going to be game to game with how things go. Is, uh, is does he avoid foul trouble and uh, and other things that would prevent him from getting more minutes? So it's just uh, it'll it'll kind of be game to game with him. The reason why that's kind of important, and and I stare that down. Sean Phillips, he's seven foot two, forty five, and a sophomore. I'm totally biased on this. I'm rooting for him because he's. Um, He's from Dayton, which is my hometown. Now, when I say I'm rooting for I'm not going to tell you something that's not true, or I'm not going to tell you, oh, he's doing really well when he's not. He's doing okay. But he plays, like, he has weird minutes, which makes it tough, but I understand why. And when I say he's got weird minutes, what I mean by that is he plays, um, like, one game he'll play five or six minutes. And then the next game... He'll play 14, 15, 16 minutes. So this is a game with Dante at center for Oregon. They're going to want that height and size. So he's going to play a lot, and if he gets in foul trouble, he's out. But uh, I, I found it interesting that he wanted to take a minute and look at Sean Phillips. The next question was about rebounding from UCLA, not rebounding during UCLA, but having the four technicals and then the pressure you put on USC and then handled your business Tell us about the poise you showed against USC and whether or not you think that that's believable and trustworthy going forward. We showed uh, quite a bit more uh, maturity and discipline in that game and just focused on playing basketball and executing. And uh, you know, it, was, it, was a, it was a beautiful thing to watch at times. Uh, you know, just seeing the crowd like that, seeing the student section like that, just getting that energy, feeding off it, the way we finished the first half with the explosive plays that we made and uh, just seeing the crowd get juiced, you know, watching our guys perform, watching Frankie dunk it, watching Jemiah in the open floor. It's just, uh, it's exciting when we're playing that kind of basketball. Still amazes me out of all of the U of A games that have been held at the bank, that it was USC on Saturday as the highest attended student game in the history of the program. That's weird to me. That it was USC. I'm assuming it was to see Bronny. Bronny's a superstar within social media. LeBron James is a social media everywhere, a, a superstar everywhere. So you have that moment to be able to be there to see Bronny. I guess that's what it was. But the way ASU played a five-minute spell at the end of the first half was just glorious. And I hope they do that more often with that pressure defense and bring it. Follow-up to the last question is more about how brutal it was and why they responded so well coming off of UCLA. I just think that we, it was, it was the ultimate brutal wake-up call, like to lose the way we did, knowing, you know, that we felt, you know, we, we uh, you know, we put forth a winning basketball performance, but things uh, outside of basketball prevented us from winning the game. It, it forced everyone to, to just say like, all right, guys, you know, we're, we're not talking to officials anymore. We're not talking to our opponent. Let's just, you know, talk to each other. Now, could we be perfect in that regard the rest of the way? I mean, I don't know. That remains to be seen. But like, I do know that that was a focal point 
of our conversations internally, you know, going into the USC game. Full disclosure, I don't love him still holding on to, hey, there's, you know, circumstances outside our control. That's still quote for I'm blaming Tony Badia for the technical fouls. I'm blaming the refs. I want you to coach differently where you're not blaming refs, where there's a, a I think that brings on a higher level of personal accountability. Now, I admit you might call me a hypocrite because on this show, I separate the two. I had no problem ripping ASU for getting the technicals, and I have no problem ripping the refs for how bad they were. I think those are mutually exclusive things when we as outsiders are looking at the game. But if I'm a coach, I'm not letting my kids go anywhere near that. There's never going to be a day where we control the officiating, so why worry about it? Let's worry about us. Let's deal with us. So I don't even like it when he throws that out there as a caveat, but... He is saying we better learn that lesson of poise because if we don't, we're going to lose again in the future. So I'm interested to see the next time Tony Padilla is the referee and seeing how that's going to play out for uh, the Sun Devils. Steve McCollum is the host of the main event. It's every weekday morning from 8 to 10. And then Izzy on Sports comes up. iOS comes up at 10 o'clock. I don't know why I said comes up twice. He's at 10 o'clock. Six hours of local programming. And Steve, what's coming up on the main event today? Uh, lots of NBA stuff coming your way. Of course, uh, you know, I don't know what's going on with Brooklyn. But, man, get yeah. the twins out of there, man. Get the twins out? Yeah, yeah. Did you see that last night? Yes. Uh, just how depressed. Uh, <laughs> I'm shocked because I really thought that trade was going to work out really well for both them and yeah. the Nets. And I don't I don't know what's not gelling. Uh, well, I mean, there. the other side of it is, is uh, the Knicks run that market, obviously. Yes. That's, uh, and they overwhelm the, uh, the you know, they, they, all the Knicks fans take the train over yep. to Brooklyn. And, and don't you think that that's arena. always going to happen? Like the Clippers yeah. destroyed the Lakers, but it's still always going to be a Lakers town. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. And it, yeah, it will. And then I saw the halftime show, and I understand why the Knicks uh, overrun it, and why you're not a Brooklyn fan, because dear God, uh, you know. Uh, it's I admit I didn't see the halftime. show. Oh my dear God, it was like two ponies dance. It was weird. Okay, like, like guys in. I'm costumes. assuming that's coming up on the main event. Uh, that part's not. Cause okay. that, that was ridiculous. But we are going to talk about, you know, because we run into that here, right? Uh, you know, a lot of. Fans, a lot of media people, uh, land-based opposing fans, you know, uh, taking over the stadiums and stuff like that. It's it's a problem elsewhere as well. It's a problem in a lot of places, uh, and uh, it was bad in Brooklyn last night. But no defense in the NBA, so we'll we'll talk a little bit about that. But um, for everybody, uh, and I know it's not time to fire Frank Vogel now. They've kind of turned it around. But for everybody that says you don't fire Frank Vogel this early in the season, uh, a better team than you uh, went. Oh, hold my beer. We're gonna <laughs> fire our guy. Forty-three games into the season. Uh, to go to Doc Rivers, the guy that uh, underperforms and fails in the playoffs. I got two big thoughts on that. Number one, really dumb to hire Buden, fire Budenholzer. I still think that yeah. was dumb. Well, you know why? Uh, Giannis. Yes, I Giannis. do. Yeah. And all I, this was done for Giannis. And I, and I think you got to say, Giannis, okay, we de- we, you're bigger than no. the Bucs. I get that. Yeah. But we win with Budenholzer. You guys figure it out. Yeah. Number two, I can't help but laugh at this, and I love that this happened. I think the Mike Breen along with um, uh, Mark Jackson and that group were fantastic together Mm -hmm. as ESPN broadcasters. And I am such a a fan of, of the way those three developed chemistry, blah, blah, blah. I think the pairing of Doc Rivers and Doris Burks 
Maybe it'll get better in the future. I just think that is such a boring group. Yeah. Well, and then to have Doc Rivers yeah. possibly leave yeah. a few months into it, I laugh at ESPN for getting burnt, and I support Jeff Van Gundy. Well, the, my favorite part, well, exactly, Jeff Van Gundy, as much as I don't like Jeff Van Gundy on a personal level, like outside of uh, sports, he just drives me nuts. Really? What, did he uh, date somebody no, you yeah, wanted no, or something? Dear God, I'd be insulted if somebody I dated <laughs> dated that ugly son of a gun. But um, no, it's just you know, he's just uh, he's just a nerd and, and just okay. says things that just rubs me the wrong way. Like he thinks he's better than everybody. His brother's worse, by the way. But that bro- his brother's. I'm kind of with you stuff. on his brother. Yeah. Other uh, than the but, Dwight Howard situation, yeah. I'm totally I'm totally on the but Van love, Gundy side Je- of that. Jeff's tolerable, but at the same time, he just rubs me. Weird. It's weird. Okay. All right. Okay. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, that that matchup with uh, Doc uh, Doc is uh, reportedly going to get better though on the broadcasting side because he's going to go away. <laughs> but I don't know how you upgrade. Uh, look, Giannis signed his big deal, which was the whole reason. They got rid of uh, their coach. Hired this guy was to get Giannis to sign the extension. He signed it. Now they get rid of him. You have to assume Giannis was involved in that. Yeah. Uh, but you never uh, fire yeah. a coach with a superstar without talking to him first. Oh, one hundred percent. Especially one that you know they, you hired the guy yeah, for, for yeah. that. That's the only reason he was hired. Uh, it, it's fascinating. But then also, uh, well, we're not going to talk much about it. But Aiden last night, five points. Yikes! Uh, setting screens on the wind. Uh, <laughs> if you saw those videos. It I was like, like, who are you setting a screen for, buddy? And he's just standing there, you know, in the screen position. Nobody's near him. It's I cannot tell you enough how, like, there was always this thing that used to always drive Wolf crazy with me when I gave opinions against people that are getting paid by organizations. Yeah. So... I, I say that with, with all due respect to the guys that really are the ones in the arena. They're the ones getting paid by teams, blah, blah, blah. There were so many smart basketball people that kept arguing with me about the prospects of DeAndre Ayton. And I'm the guy that loved him coming out. I admit it totally. I loved him coming out. But it didn't take long to realize he's a stat stuffer every now and then when he's focused, but it's never going to be important to him, ever. Did you see his comments last night? Yes. (laughs) I can't believe it took so long for people to understand it. And then I have to ask the question, Portland, what were you doing? I'm not saying Nurkic is the greatest center of all time, but why would you make a trade for DeAndre Ayton? Well, so I don't have a problem with the trade for the thing that hurts DeAndre Ayton the most was, uh, and the Suns did this an ice, uh, well, yeah, exactly. or uh, screens, or, yes. or actually standing in front of somebody. Yeah, yeah. The thing that hurts him the most, and this is the Suns' fault for this, is being number one draft pick and signing him to a max. Both of those things, you expect that expectation level to be higher. Um, you know, if he wasn't making those money, if that money, if he was just like a middle-level exception guy, like a Bull Bull, for instance, you know, uh, dates, uh, Bates Diop, uh, you wouldn't have an issue with the way Aiden's playing. So those expectations are high because of where he was drafted and that max contract uh, there. So it, it, I don't know, it's kind of unfair, uh, but at the same time, it's funny to watch. Why but, do you uh, forgive the player? Because I, I don't. It's not his fault. I disagree. It's not his fault that I, the Suns were duped and thought he was a number one center. I totally agree with you on the max contract. That was a terrible decision by the Suns. But about the number one pick, what we're really discussing yeah. is DeAndre Ayton's inability to engage. And I don't ever blame a team mm-hmm. for him basically being a contracted guy that 
that just takes the money. Yeah, but the signs were there, man. When, uh, you know, draft night, when he was drafted number one, they said, uh, how do you know if you'll have a successful NBA career? And I believe his quote was something to the effect of uh, when I get to my second contract or oh, something, yeah, yeah. right? It was, it was something to he that effect. He also said, I'm an entertainer, not a basketball Yeah, and it, it's the signs were there, sons, yeah. that this guy's heart, he's just a guy that wants some money. He, he likes to play basketball. He doesn't love it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the signs were there. So, I mean, if you want to go back and do revisionist history on this draft, it was a, ter- I, a horrible draft. I admit, I was duped by the famous Oregon game. Well, when, he was he better went, in college, When he went though. to Eugene, yeah. he was, I mean, he was angry because that was when Sean Miller got suspended yeah. and the threats, the, the, the rumors about him and his, mo- his mother getting $100,000. Well, it's, it's not a rumor. Yeah. Uh, and he was paid. just, he played so angry. I was like, now you know. Now you see how good you can be. Yeah. I thought that was going to be well, the wake-up call. You, you go to that Suns run to the playoffs, and the Suns got to the finals because of the way he played You're in right. those first you three rounds. You are so right on that. Uh, so he, that's the thing. He's got that potential. But you look back at the signs were there mm-hmm. that the guy doesn't love the game, and he's not going to be physical and stuff like that. So that you can blame the Suns on. They wanted to ignore it, but um, but then the other side of it is, man, we got a protest in the NBA. It's never been, uh, it's only been successful one time in the past. If you missed the timeout, we're gonna focus a little bit more on that. Uh, but um, I mean, DeAndre Ayton, man, it's just he needs to stop talking. That doesn't yeah, help either. Too. When you say I'm a max player, that's all that matters. When you're getting five <laughs> points and he says I'm for the wind. <laughs> oh my god, it just cracks me up. Like he literally gets his screen position and flexes. He has and nobody's around him. He has a tattoo. That goes past each shoulder blade, so it's base. It's it's so a seven it, foot long tattoo. It basically <laughs> is is the entire back shoulder blades of him, and it says dominating. Yeah. Can you imagine how dumb it is if you're in that locker room yeah. every time he takes his shirt off? You have to laugh every time you see that tattoo. You know he yells it. You know he yells it on the court, Doug. I know. That's sad. <laughs> have a good show. <laughs> Wow. The joy of having a body like that, that they pay you for what they think you might do at some point in your life. Do you want to do it? Nah. Five points. Five points for a seven book. Good stuff from uh, Steve McCollum. Hopefully you enjoy the show coming up in about 10 minutes every weekday morning, 8 to 10. We've got six hours of local sports programming every weekday morning on WTSMTV.com. Uh, versus Vegas, boy, did it feel good last night. Boy, did that feel good. Certainly, I'm not going to call it a heater. I don't know if we're back. But if you remember, recently it was 18-2-1, had a great run. Fell on my face for a little bit at going three and nine and then last night get back to the undefeated mark we took minnesota on the money line against washington and minnesota won five to three a lot better juice if we would have taken the puck line sorry i didn't take the puck line but i don't love the minnesota wild i just didn't think washington could handle what they had going up against so i was a little cautious on that one and then really liked my pick edmonton on the puck line covering against the Blue Jackets. Edmonton won 4-1. to one. We got that one. That was sweet. So we ended up a 2-0 and o night. Uh, 1089, 956, and 9 right now. And according to 
uh, Mikey at Bell's National Kitchen, who is now going to run monthly units for me. We look at the chart right now in monthly units, and on the chart, uh, we are up 16 and a half units for the month of January. That's fantastic. That is really, really good. So tip of the cap to all of us here at Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Here are the three games that I like for today. I got one NBA. I've got two coming up. And with what uh, Steve McCollum just said, you might want to avoid this one. With Aiton being an embarrassment, you never know if Aiton's actually going to play. Like, if he's actually going to say, you know what, I was an embarrassment, I need to do something. But I think Portland's terrible, I think Aiton's terrible, and Portland's on the back end of a back-to-back. I'm going to take Houston minus the 10. I'm not saying I love that pick. So if you're somebody that follows me on my picks, you might want to skip that one because it is true. DeAndre Ayton is unbelievably talented when focused. He's just never focused. I still think I'm not worried about Ayton, so I'm going to take Houston minus the 10 because I don't trust Portland ever and then let alone on the back end of a back-to-back. And then two in the NHL. I love this one. Love it. Colorado Avalanche covering the puck line of one and a half. Washington is on the back end of a back-to-back. I believe the Caps were in, uh, yes, they were in Minnesota because I got that game right. Now you fly in to Denver. You're play- you got an hour drive to the, uh, to the hotel. You get in late. And now you got to wake up at altitude and take on a good avalanche team. And the Washington Capitals aren't that great. I I really like this game. I really like it. So I'm going to say, I should say, I love it. I'm taking Colorado to cover the puck line against Washington. The Blues are okay, but they're on a back end of a back-to-back doing the Western Canada swing. They're in Vancouver. Vancouver's one of the best teams in hockey. I love, and I love, I like this game, though. I'm taking Vancouver to cover the puck line of one and a half. I think I got some pretty good picks here. Um, no doubt the Rockets, in my opinion, beat Portland tonight. But the money line juice is like minus 380 or minus 400. So the money line juice is obnoxious. The only reason I'd play the money line juice with the Rockets tonight is if you're going to parlay it with other things. So maybe you take my two picks if you like parlays. Parlays are kind of a sucker bet. But if you want to go a little crazy tonight, take Colorado and Vancouver to cover the puck line. And then throw Houston in as a money line just to bump up your money a little bit and get that correct on your parlay bet. But I'm not parlaying them. But I I, I look at 67% tonight. I think I'm going two for three on these picks. And why not? Try to get lucky and go uh, 3-0. That does it for today's version of Doug Tron's Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Please put this website into your favorites, unplugged at whirlwind.com, unplugged at whirlwind.com. I'm going to get with Sweet Lou at the end of this week. We should have the website up by the weekend and then get your tee times for February 23rd, our next sanctioned event. Thank you very much, Jeff Weir Production. If you're watching right now on WTSM TV, just look over the Diamondbacks logo and right above me is your information. Whirlwind is a gorgeous course. And if you don't know this, they give Every time Sweet Lou has had a sanctioned event, they give us tremendous discounts. 
Well, here's what's crazy about that. This is February. This is the heart of when they make their money. And here we go, getting a discounted rate. That's going to be fantastic. And he's also going to tie it into a spa package. So for Valentine's Day, you could give your spouse a gift and say, hey, we're going golfing. Or if she doesn't golf, you're going to the spa. We're both going to the spa, however it works. Meet me for lunch. Meet me for happy hour. I'd love to see you there on February 23rd. The official sports bar of Doug Franz Unplugged is Rosati's at Ray and McQueen. You can go to Bell's Nashville Kitchen if you want a sandwich today for lunch. The number one sandwich in all of Arizona is the Nashville Hot Chicken Sandwich. I don't know if it's been voted as the number one salad, but I'm telling you, the Nashville Hot Chicken Finger Salad, Iceberg Wedge, the way that ranch is, or that blue cheese, excuse me, is so cold, and the way it interacts with the spicy chicken on the freshest wedge of lettuce you've ever had, oh yeah, it's yeah, it's awesome. Seven locations of Burrito Express across the east side, best breakfast burrito you're ever going to have. An unplugged army, I realize you don't want to call somebody that handles your heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical. I know it stinks. All of them are expensive, but not all of them are great. I can tell you the one that I know is Parker and Sons. Heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical. I have been a customer of theirs well before I ever started talking about them on the radio or here on Doug Franz Unplugged. Every time I've called, they've showed up on time. Every time they service something, they've been honest with us, and it's turned out to be a great decision to go with them. And our whole house is decked out. We have an air conditioner from them, reverse osmosis from them. We have a filters from them. We have a, a salt water system from them. I, I don't even know everything we have. <laughs> That's my wife. But we trust them. They've been great to us. Call 6022-REPAIR. That's 602, the number two, then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker & Sons. The main event is up next. I want you to dominate your Wednesday. I'll see you tomorrow.